Well, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of guarantees on TV before, haven't you? Right? These infomercials. I saw, I saw an infomercial for a knife that uh, they said, you know, I know you won't do this at home, but I got, you know, this concrete block, right? And I'm going to saw through it with this concrete block. I guarantee that this knife will work just as well as the day you got it out. Uh, maybe I could do those commercials. No. Uh, but... <laughs> Well, you know, these, these uh, 100% satisfaction uh, guarantees, whether it's infomercials or, or grocery stores even have them now, or car lots, or advertisements for paint, right? If you don't, you know, the little chameleons that gotta change color. If you don't like your color, bring it back. Well, they make it sound so foolproof, don't they? They make it sound so, so easy, but in the end, it's funny because it kind of makes me look like a fool, right? When I try to return it, uh, really, the, a part of that is they know that the vast majority of people are not going to take advantage of that guarantee. Isn't that true? They say, oh, we can put this out there because, you know, who's really going to waste two hours returning something that costs 50 cents, right? You're not going to worry about it. But also, uh, they know that, that uh, we're forgetful, right? And, and after the trial period ends for that, that uh, whatever it is, they know that maybe it's a magazine, they know that we're not going to cancel it because we forget, right? And it just goes on and on and on, right? They also know that you won't bring in your receipt, you won't bring in the debit card that you used, and your driver's license, and the VIN number for the card that you had when you were 18, Right? All of these guarantees so many times are letdowns when we realize that the claims are hollow, that the claims can't be fulfilled or are difficult to fulfill or there's this, these, uh, uh, these rules that, that really keep us from taking advantage of the guarantee. There's exceptions that tend to limit us or exclude us all the time. And you know, oftentimes it causes us to be cynical, doesn't it? It causes us to every time, and my wife kind of points this out in my life, because I do, I watch these infomercials and I go, really? You know? I'm cynical about it all the time. I, I always look for that, okay, what are they really saying? What are they really doing? And, uh, you know, when somebody says, I guarantee it, I go, really? <laughs> right? But that cynicism can cause us to struggle sometimes when we hear something from God and his word that seems too good to be true, and we go, really? <laughs> but when God's word says guaranteed, when God's word says always, when God says trust me, we hesitate sometimes, don't we? In this series, we're going to talk uh, and we're going to focus on just a sample of the promises that he has made for our lives. You know, the, God's word is filled with promises for us and about us and about what's going to take place and, and about what our lives can look like. But we're just going to kind of take a sample of some of those promises that he's made for us. And we're going to see that when God says always, he actually means it. And when God says it's guaranteed, we can trust him. Listen to what Romans chapter 10 verse 11 says about the person who trusts in Christ. It says, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, will not be put to shame. They won't be found going, oh, I shouldn't have fallen for that one, right? I should have known that one wasn't true. 
the person who believes in Christ will not be put to shame. I want you to write down that verse, Romans 10 verse 11, because it's kind of a theme for us as we go through this series. The person who trusts in Christ will never be let down by him or his promises. We're going to look today at um, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And we're going to look at the question that many of us struggle with or will struggle with in our walk with the Lord. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, a new Christian, someone who's, who's just found Christ and has said, wow, God, you're doing amazing things in my life, or whether it's someone that you say, you know what, I've been on this journey for a little while. Some of these th- things that we're going to talk about really impact us in many different ways. Uh, and, and tonight we're going to kind of look at the question of, uh, you know, can I, can I mess this thing up? You know, I've been given this incredible gift. God's forgiven me of my sin, but ha- what happens when I mess up now? Will God reconsider, right? Will God uh, uh, say, well, you didn't read the fine print. It's, I, I have this clause that if you go this way, I can go this way, right? Will God change his mind about me? And God's word shares with us that he won't change his mind about you. Isn't that good news? God doesn't change his mind about who you are and who you are in Christ. Many times this idea is expressed as assurance or security in him. And there are so many passages that we could look at today. And, and if you've studied this idea, if you've studied this thought, you, you might be able to say, oh, well, why didn't you talk about this verse? And why didn't you talk about that verse? Because it's all over Scripture. But we're going to focus today on, on Ephesians chapter 1, and, and we're going to focus on some other ones as well. But, uh, you know, we, we're just going to get a taste, just a sampling of what God has to say about this relationship between us and Him. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Verse 13 says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Uh, I know we're, we're probably, uh, uh, I, I love the end of that verse that talks about the praise of his glory. We never want to lose sight of that because all that God does, all the ways that he relates to us glorify him. All the ways that he is faithful to us says, wow, God, you are amazing. So the glory always goes to him. And I love that idea. So even though that may not be the focus of our study tonight of, as we look at this passage, Never lose sight of that. God is glorified when we trust him for these things. But first, we'll, we're going to see in, in uh, Ephesians 1 and, and verse 13 that he won't change his mind about you because it's a promise of salvation. It's one of the things that God has promised us in salvation. It's an amazing truth that, that when God makes a promise... He doesn't change his mind. It's a part of his nature. It's a part of his character. And I love that because I, I'm, I'm a kind of person, I, I could change my mind from today and tomorrow, right? The, the, things that I like, things that I enjoy, all of those things. But when God sets his mind to something, when God makes a promise to you and to me, we can be sure 
that he will fulfill it. And in the beginning of verse 13, he says, you trusted Christ. He <laughs> says, you heard the truth. You heard the good news that brings salvation and you believed him. See, that is one of the keys as we talk about assurance, as we talk about our relationship with God. It starts with coming before him and trusting him, of putting our faith in him. You believed what he said about your sin and how it separates you from God. You believe that the death and resurrection of Jesus powerfully defeated sin in my life and brought about a relationship with God. That is amazing. And notice, uh, it says nothing about how you prove yourself to God. It says nothing about how, okay, you did a good job here, so God said, I guess it's okay. I guess I'll give you this. I guess I'll bring salvation to you. It has nothing to do with, with uh, what we can do for ourselves. It's all about how we put our faith and trust in what he did for us. It's how um, the Christian simply and powerfully believes that only God could rescue him through Jesus. And the Bible describes this transformation that takes place in our life when we put our faith in him, when we, when we say, yes, God, I believe that you, only you can forgive me of my sins. I believe that only because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, I can have a right relationship with God. That kind of transformation that takes place in our lives is described as moving out of death and into life. In John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you. I like when when, uh, those words are used. Truly, truly. You say, no, really, listen up, pay attention. I got something for you. You can bank on this one, right? It says, pay attention. Truly, truly, I say it to you. He who hears my word and believes on him who sent me, right? That's what we, we were talking about. Has eternal life. I love that word has right there, right? Because it talks about possession. It talks about the life that starts now, the eternal life that God has given us now. You know, a lot of times we think of eternal life and eternity as heaven, right? But when we step from death into life, he has given us an everlasting life. It says, and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death, into life. That's a pretty drastic change, isn't it? Imagine that. I mean, a lot of times we think of the transition from life into death, don't we? Okay, you're coming to the end of your life and there's a transition into that time of I got to recognize some things about my life, right? Before I die. But God's word says that he does something so powerful, so miraculous, that it can be pictured as a dead person standing up and beginning their life. That's a pretty powerful picture, isn't it? And we can only stand and say, wow, God, we're impressed, right? That is amazing what you do. He came to bring us life. And the Apostle John doesn't want us to miss out on the, uh, on the certainty of this in the life of a believer. Uh, I want you to write these down and, and look them up later because they speak uh, into 
this idea of eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 16. You know that one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, verse 36. John 4, 14. John 4, 47. Talk about the permanency of what Christ has done on our behalf simply by using the words eternal life. If it didn't last forever, right? If it was something that we had to worry about and say, okay, God, are you going to take this away from me? Am I going to mess up so bad that you're going to say, no, 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 I'm, I'm changing my mind about you? It wouldn't be eternal life, would it? First John chapter 2, verse 25 simply says, this is the promise which he himself made to us. This is the promise that Jesus has made to us, that, that our Father has made to us. Eternal life. He's made a promise to us about our destiny, about who we are in him. Would you let that just sink in for a moment? And that's what I love about God's word and about God's work. I can't take any of the credit for it. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, verses 30 and 31, by, but by his doing, by God's doing, you are in Christ. That phrase, you'll see it all throughout God's Word. Uh, those who are in Christ. It talks about a believer, someone who's put their faith and trust in Christ. And now uh, God's Word pictures it as dwelling in Him. There's safety in Him. So by, uh, by His doing, you are in Christ, who, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption those words talk about what Christ has done in our lives, how, he's, how he has brought about salvation into our lives. Verse 31 says, So that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Salvation is a work of the Lord, not of you. Eternal life is a work of the Lord, not of me. The change that God makes in our lives are His work, not ours. So as we come before Him and we say, God, I see these areas that I lack in my life. So how far, is, how far can you take me? If I make a mistake, if I mess up, I mean, if, if I do something, man, people look at me and say, He trusts Christ? He says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let him do his work. I don't want you to miss this verse in, in 1 John uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 11 and 13. It says, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. <laughs> That's a testimony, isn't it? You can stand up and say, wow. I can tell you what God has done in my life. He has given me an eternal life. He has given me safety in Him. He has given me a future and a hope. And, this is, and, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is where? In His Son. See, there's that phrase again. 
In verse 13, he says, these things, he says, this letter, this writing that, that I've written to you, I would encourage you, look at 1 John. It's a, it's a challenge. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He doesn't say so that you can figure out whether or not you have eternal life. He says those who have trusted Christ, who have put their faith in Him, who have given Him their lives, <laughs> you can know it. You can be assured of it, that you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to wonder whether you have this life, whether Christ has done His work in you. He wants you to know it, to have confidence in it. I love that about the promises of God, is that each promise is, is designed to give us confidence in who He is, to give us confidence in what He's done. And so there's, there's also a, a challenge in, in 1 John. And, and the challenge is that there is no life apart from Him or outside of Him. You know, as we read 1 John, as you look at that book, it, it tells you that, that without Christ, without Him doing something in your life, there's no life. But then it also says that our lives will reflect a change in our relationship to sin. John challenges us and he says, you know what? If you claim to trust Christ and yet you're continually living in sin and yet there is no change in your life, you've never really trusted Him. You've never really put your faith in Him. He says because those who have put their faith in Christ it changes them. It does something powerful in their life. You know, we just finished up the series, The Fruit of the Spirit, right? And we talked about how these aren't things that we should say, okay, I'm really going to try hard to do this. I'm really going to try hard to show love. I'm really going to try hard to, to have peace in my life. I'm really going to try hard to have self-control. He says, no, no, this is my work. This is something that I'm going to do in your life. Will you trust me? Will you allow me to do that? And when we, um, uh, when, when a person says, you know what, this, uh, this, this sin in my life, I'm not going to let God deal with it. I'm just going to continue in it. I'm just going to move towards it. It's an indicator that God hasn't changed your life. So I would encourage you today, if, if you would say, wow, that, that's kind of harsh, but, but that's me. I would encourage you, would you put your faith and trust in Christ? Would you say, okay, God, you know, I've, I've said that I've done it before. This time, right now, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust what you have to say for my life. He won't change his mind about you because it's a part of what he's promised you in salvation. Because it's a part of this idea of eternal life. But he also won't change his mind about you because the Holy Spirit is our seal. Let's look back at, at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
who is the guarantee for, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. If you've uh, uh, put your faith and trust in Christ, if He's done a work in you that we've been talking about, then we've also been given an incredible gift of God's Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Verses like uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, and Romans 8, 9 share that amazing truth with us that God's Spirit dwells in us as those who have put our faith and trust in Him. We've been given this incredible gift and the role of the Holy Spirit is vast in our lives. He changes us. He molds us. He, he helps us to become more like Christ. He intercedes on our behalf. He, he, he speaks to God in a way that we can't even communicate. When we struggle, when, when we don't even know what to say to God, the Holy Spirit communicates that heart to Him. But in these verses, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it tells us something more about what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is a marker or a seal over our lives that cannot be undone. When God's Holy Spirit is put in your, in, in, into our lives, it's like a stamp that says, uh, this one's mine. And this idea of a seal is, is seen throughout uh, ancient times where a king would have a ring, right? And, and if he was going to send correspondence, if he was going to send something that, that he wanted them to know, without a doubt, this is from me, and this is sealed, and, and you have it, he would put wax, right? And then put his seal on it. It was an indication of who it was from. And God's Holy Spirit is an indication of his stamp on our lives. Not only that, but the, the, the seal of the Holy Spirit is also has the idea of security. Uh, the idea that no one can tamper with it. At the grave of Jesus, Pilate had sealed uh, uh, had a seal placed on the tomb. And, and the Bible says that it was a measure that Pilate took to secure the tomb. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 66. It was, the idea was to ensure that no one came by and stole the body of Christ. And, and if somebody had come, they would see the seal and say, whoa, this is serious. I'm not, I'm not going to mess with that, right? Or if they did, they knew that the authority would come down upon them. They knew exactly what they were doing. It let everybody who saw know that they shouldn't uh, tamper with that seal, with that object. And this was the seal of a man. It was the seal of a ruler. And it's incredible because as we read the resurrection story, right, the tomb was opened. The seal was broken. But it was broken by someone who was mightier than Pilate, right? It was broken by someone who didn't care about the authority of Pilate, right? So you say, okay, well, a seal is broken, so that must mean that, that if I mess up enough in my life, God's seal can be broken. I can break that seal, there's none mightier than our God who makes the promise. Isn't that true? 
And that's what Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 is talking about. It's the seal of the Holy Spirit. No one has more authority. No one has more power over your eternity, over your safety, over your security than God Almighty, than His Holy Spirit. But it's also a sign, the seal is a sign of ownership. It says, this is mine. You know, think of a brand for uh, livestock, right? Now, I don't know if, if that process is very pleasant for the livestock. <laughs> I haven't tried it on myself, so, uh, you know, I'm still un- uh, unsure about that. But, but what does it say? What does that brand say? What does that seal say? It says, this belongs to me, right? It's unique to that person, to that entity, to that farmer. The seal of the Holy Spirit tells all that we belong to Him. And if that wasn't enough, he continues on. He says, In verse 14, who is a guarantee of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. And that idea of a guarantee was very common in in Paul's time as he wrote this letter. As people would would read that, they'd go, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was was the idea of a down payment. It was the the idea of of, uh, um, uh, a deposit that was put on that was a promise that was, uh, without a doubt, I am going to pay the rest of this. Now, that's not talking about the payment of Christ for our sins. That was done at the cross, right? Jesus cried out, it is finished. Death was swallowed up in victory. But there's this idea that, that God has promised us something, that God has promised us something that we have yet to experience, right? an eternity with Him, an eternity away from sin, an eternity of of being perfect and whole in His presence. And He says, you're not there yet, but I have the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee so that you know you're going to get there, so that you know what I'm going to fulfill in the future. There's still work to be done in our lives, and and really we're going to talk about that more next week. Right? We're not perfect. We still sin. But it's not the work that is concerned with our salvation. It's that idea of, of looking forward to what He has for us. In John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29, those verses say, My sheep hear my voice. And, and Jesus is talking about those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You can see that idea of if God has done a work in your life, you're going to be following after him, right? There's that aspect of, of, okay, Lord, I'm not perfect, but help me. I'm looking to you. Verse 28 says, and I give, Jesus says, and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. That goes into the, the idea of eternal life, right? And then it says, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. (laughs) I love that picture. Here we are, sheep in God's hand. And he says, you know what? 
I'm not letting go. I'm not changing my mind about you. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, there is nothing that can separate us. And then in verse 29, it says, My Father, who has given them to me, says, My Father, who has given me these sheep, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So not only this picture of us being in the hands of Jesus, but there's also, he wants to assure us to reinforce the idea and say, you're in the Father's hands too. He says, I and my Father are one. You know, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 actually uses the idea and the picture of adoption as an illustration of what has happened in our lives. And you know what? It, it speaks to me a little more clearly, uh, having gone through the process. But there was a point in time where we stood before the judge, and we said, you know what? Uh, the judge said, um, the commitment that you are making today is that you will care for this child as your own. That you will make a commitment to them that they will be the same to you as any other natural-born child. You are making a lifelong commitment. Do you understand that? <laughs> Do you accept that responsibility? And after you say yes, and after you sign, and there's a whole process, but it's done. Those children can never be unadopted, right? They're a part of your family. And notice that, that it was a commitment that my wife and I took toward them. It wasn't that they said, oh, please, please adopt us. I mean, I, I think they would if they could. But, <laughs> but it was us who made that commitment. Just like Christ and His Holy Spirit is making a commitment to you through His Word and through His work. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Starting to get the picture? Nothing. And you say, well, well I'm not listed in there. It doesn't say, it doesn't say I, I'm persuaded that, that I can't get out of this, that, that I can't do something that would make God uh, separate himself from me. Are you a created thing? <laughs> You're in the list. None of those things, it says, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's word wants to share with you tonight that He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, it changes everything. He does a work in you and He will complete it. I love that. Maybe today you would say, you know what? I haven't made that decision to trust Christ. But that God that you're talking about, the one who wants so much for my life, 
man, I need that. I need forgiveness from the things that I've done wrong, whether it's uh, to others or whether it's to myself or whether it's before God, I've done things that I shouldn't have done, that offend God, that offend others. Lord, I need you to make me clean. Or maybe today you're struggling with that idea of, you know what? I'm just on the edge. I'm on the edge of God saying, forget it. I've tried hard enough. It's over. Would you allow God's word to speak to your life? If you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, as his spirit works in you, and you see his hand in your life, know that he has sealed you for a future day. He has promised to bring you through. He has promised to do that work in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this guarantee in your word. Lord, you have promised us. You have promised those who are following after you, who seek after you. Lord, not on our own, not because of us, but because of you, because of your work in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you have promised us an eternity with you. You have promised us that, that there is uh, uh, safety and there is assurance in what you're doing in our lives. Lord, that we don't always have to be on the edge of our seats. Is he going to love me today? Is he going to love me tomorrow? Lord, we know that your work of salvation is permanent. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.